I just got my first in-person tarot reading, and she is the mother piece deck. I felt very overwhelmed. I felt like there was like a waterfall under my feet going to the center of the earth, and like my ears were ringing, but without a sound. Hello, I'm Michelle T, and welcome to Your Magic. Today, I'm talking to powerhouse singer-songwriter Lucy Dacus, beloved for her beautiful and intimate solo work, as well as her part in the indie supergroup Boy Genius. We're going to talk about tarot reversals, occult shops, tour jokes, and more. After that, your magic producer, Vera Blossom, is going to share an altar to go spell so you can keep your practice strong while hitting the road. Stay with us. At one point during the pandemic, early enough that our quarantine was still sort of novel and trippy, but late enough that we were all truly in it, I had a personal revelation. I have been the happiest in my life while traveling, specifically while being on tour. As a writer, I've had a bunch of opportunities to travel in this way. Some I made for myself, like by co-creating the ongoing performance tour Sister Spit, reading from my books all over the world with a group of other writers. Other times I've had publishers send me around to promote new work. I love traveling. I mean, really love it, whether I'm engaged in the incredible bonding that happens in a traveling group or going solo. Traveling in a group, I understand the interconnectedness of everything, the way we make our own little ecosystem, the way our personalities and histories, also different from one another, fold together like ingredients in a cake. All of us sort of merging into this strange experience of being somewhere new each day, getting giddy and silly with sleep deprivation, hotel coffee, and monotony. In-jokes that make absolutely no sense to anyone out on the van take on lives of their own. It's a type of gorgeous delirium. Traveling solo is more stoic for sure, but place and time wrap around you like a cloak. It's contemplative spending so much time alone in liminal spaces like airplanes or Amtraks. My thoughts seem deeper. Cosmic truths seem closer. Alone, I face my separateness. When a plane hits turbulence, I prepare to die. For real. And I always feel rushed with gratitude. The people around me are so brilliant and amazing. I have been so loved and have felt such love in return. We all have to exit this place. I vow to stay present as the plane goes down, counting my breaths, leaning on my shabby Buddhist practice to take me out. And I'm so relieved when the plane turbulence stops. It's not always so intense, though, traveling. Once on a plane, I absolutely understand how we humans are all the same. We are all the universe. I imagined us as a single hand, and this here reality is like a glove that's draped over us, making us all think we're fingers. Okay, if that's too loopy, I also once washed my hands in an airport bathroom and noticed the stream of water almost appeared like this solid single thing. I moved my hand into it and broke it up into many droplets. That's us, I thought. Humanity, maybe animals too, why not? All the energies of Earth. We are actually all one, but on this plane, we are broken up into droplets so that we may see and have relationships with one another. After these mystical moments, everyone, like really everyone I saw, looked incredibly beautiful to me. Recently on an airplane, I composed my vows for my upcoming wedding. I could feel the edges of all the energies flying brings me, a detached oneness with my destiny, a mortal appreciation for the fleetingness of life. My love for my betrothed felt cosmic and powerful, preordained, and I surged with gratitude for him. 
Maybe it's my stellium and travel-loving Sagittarius that makes geographic adventures so powerful and really joyful for me. But I think the perspective change a good road trip or international journey provides is available to everyone, showing us the generative possibilities of the universe and what we see and who we imagine we could become in a different environment. In this moment, when I can travel someplace new, with an abundant amount of caution, of course, when the world is beginning to slowly, carefully reopen, I'm going to try to fulfill the promise I made to myself back when we were first locked in our homes, to travel as much as I can, once I can, spending as much of this one precious life exploring this one precious planet. Here's Lucy Dacus. Lucy Dacus, welcome to your magic. And thank you for being on our show. Thank you for having me. A pleasure. You're doing this recording live from your tour bus right now. Where did you guys play last night? We played in Denver, which is the hardest city to play because you can't breathe. We did, for the first time, order like a tank of oxygen. So we each had like a little mask and looked like uh, that guy from Blue Velvet. (laughs) And, uh, and that kind of helped, I think. Wow, that's amazing. How do you, if you do, keep any sort of like spiritual or self-care practice for yourself while you're traveling? I feel like it's even easier on the road, actually, because there's structure to the day. And I have my deck with me. I have like a rider weight deck that's like a little smaller than usual and like a tin. So it's protected. And um yeah, I'll do readings for like members of the opening bands and like my band and I'll pick like a card a day, not every day, but I have like a journal as well that my friend gave me that has a little like Torian symbol sewn into the front that she made. And uh, yeah, I'll like write my impressions of the cards there. For a long time, I was bringing your book along and as I picked cards, I would read your entries. And I wanted to ask, have you thought about doing a book of inversions? I haven't thought about that because I don't do inversions when I'm reading the cards. It's just my preference, you know, and everyone can have their preference, but I just found them to be a little fussy and also to bring more negativity into the deck because, you know, it made nice cards sort of like it gave them sort of a a dark cloud and then it took bad cards and didn't make them any better, really. So I was like, I don't know. I feel like if you're meant to get like a challenging card, you'll just get a challenging card and not like a good card flipped upside down. It was also stressing me out, like, is my tarot deck upside down? You know, like, or, you know, I'm making a mistake putting a card back in and now that's going to alter somebody's sense of their future. Like it felt too, but you like them. I mean, I know a lot of, there's a lot of practitioners I really respect who do use them. I don't like them, but I'm interested. I feel like people vaguely know that there's different meanings. And so if I'll do a reading for someone and they'll be like, oh, I picked it upside down. I want to be able to know if that's like something meaningful. Yeah, totally. I mean, it. yeah, it is a practice. And, and I wonder if there are any books out there that are just about reversals, because so many people do 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 that practice. It's always good to have the information for sure. Have you ever read with the Mother Peace deck? I have the Mother Peace deck. Someone gifted it to me years ago. And I have another round deck that is a round feminist deck that's called the Daughters of the Moon. And it's mm-hmm. this like very 70s lesbian feminist deck. Oh, amazing. It is actually, it's a great deck. And I love how both of them 
do this thing where it's like, if it's tilted a little this way, it means this. If it's tilted a little that way, it means like, to me, that gives me a nervous breakdown. I'm like, Jesus yep. Christ, no. Like, cause I'll get so obsessing. I'll just obsess looking at the cards. Like, yeah. is it tilt? You know, it just, it'll make it me two o'clock or three o'clock. <laughs> yes. It feels like it's too much, but at the same time, I love the sort of minutia detail thought that went into creating the deck. Like I respect it. I just can't do it. Do you read with that deck as well? I don't, but I just got my first in-person tarot reading from a, a pro in San Francisco. Her name's Crystal. She works at that store, Sword and Rose. Oh, that's a lovely store. Yeah, that is like a hardcore classic occult shop. I love that place. Yeah. It feels very magical when you're going into it. It does. I felt very overwhelmed. I felt like there was like a waterfall under my feet going to the center of the earth and like my ears were ringing but without a sound it feels silly to say but it was like really odd but yeah I got a reading and she is the mother piece deck there was one aspect that I am wrestling with she said a lot of stuff makes sense in my life like I'm safe like I'm supported she knew what particular journeys I'm on and I'm on track but Something about my home life and my environment is severely fucked. I picked the Ten of Swords and the Tower, and I can't foresee what that could be about. Oh, God. And that's the whole point of the Tower card is that you don't foresee it. Right before I joined this call with you, I was picking tarot cards on like what wedding dress I should get. It's like the most, it's like the silliest. I feel like the tarot is legit mad at me. They're like, really? You're using me for this? Like I am an ancient tool of like, and I'm like, I need help. Okay. Like there's, I like all the dresses. I like all of them. And I just don't know what other system to help me do it. But I, I got the tower for one of the dresses and it just makes you wonder what would happen at my wedding if I wore this dress. Oh my God. I wonder if, you know, your, um, your home life environment right now is like, kind of you don't have one or it's like on the road like you're living in a bus like you're living in liminal space I wonder if the cars were just picking up on on that yeah it is true like all the time at home I actually got to know what home felt like which I hadn't known for years but I'm so excited to be doing shows again but I'm wondering if I'll get back and realize that like I broke the spell of like having a lovely home life. You just want to be on the road. I don't know. I want everything. I want it every way. <laughs> I totally relate to that. I've toured before and there's something about like when I'm on tour, I feel so present. I just feel so totally present. And I love like when I'm home, there's always so many different things I could be doing. Like I could be cleaning my house. I could be doing my taxes. <laughs> I could be writing. I could be, you know, working on the podcast. And then when you're on tour, you're like, I've got one job. Like I know what I have to do. And there's something just so relieving about that. Do you have, um, you're a Taurus, which does make you kind of a classically a homebody. Do you have any Sagittarius or anything in your chart? Do you know? Yeah, I'm Sag rising mm -hmm. and Gemini moon. Oh, forget so. it. Yeah. All right. You do want it all. <laughs> yeah, that, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah, you need that variety and that sense of adventure and unpredictability. So when did you start reading tarot cards? When did you pick up that habit? I started in 2018. So it's been a little bit now. I still feel like a novice. I feel like 
it's not within my personality to feel like a anything other than a novice <laughs> uh, with the tarot. But yeah, it has been cool basically learning the language of it and like thinking of the cards as words and then thinking of readings as sentences and watching their meaning be revealed just the more that you read. I like reading for other people more than myself because I have too much bias about my own life. Also, the tarot often is just like, why are you asking me? Like the tarot is like, you know, and my readings are boring. (laughs) I find that to be true also. It's so helpful to get somebody else's like eyes on your situation. And then it's like, you know, if if you're studying the cards, you know how, I mean, a lot of cards have so many different kind of interpretations. And I I can sometimes feel myself being like, I'm going to lean really hard on that meaning of it because that's what I want it to mean. And I'm just like, oh, I'm an unreliable tarot reader right now because I have an agenda. And when Mm -hmm. I'm reading for other people, you know, I always want to give them good news. It's hard to give bad news. It's not bad news, but you're like, you know, I mean, people in general, people know when there's a problem. So you're not really surprising them. Also, like, honesty isn't bad. You know, like, if you get bad news, it's because something has to happen next, usually that's better. Did you grow up with any kind of, like, religion or spiritual practice or? Yeah, I grew up Baptist. Mm -hmm. And uh, the church I went to ended up converting to just be non-denominational at some point. But yeah, church was, like, a huge part of my whole life. Like, I'd go, like, four days out of the week and... That's what I did for socializing. And it's just like where all my friends' parents felt comfortable with us hanging out. It was the most important thing in my life, even till I was like 19, probably. And then uh, there's kind of just a slow fade that I can't really explain where I, I think that all the meanings of the words were growing so big that like my faith just kind of like exploded But I do miss like the community and the practice and all the symbols and stories. And I miss, you know, meeting weekly with a group of people who are talking about like abstract concepts. Yeah, your Gemini moon would really like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. We need more covens, obviously. Yeah. Or like non-denominationally new age study groups. I had a coven for a second. We were like meeting on Zoom for the new moon. And that's not happening as much anymore. But I do. I want more practices. Yeah. Did you um, observe the new moon in Libra last night? Oh, my gosh, I didn't. Oh, no, I know that tone of voice. I know that tone of voice of having missed a moon. (laughs) I missed the moon. (laughs) Oh, God, it happens. There's so many of them. Yeah. And now without the group, I don't have people emailing me like, okay, the new moon's in three days. Wow, new moon last night. That maybe kind of everyone was a little bit exhausted last night. Yeah. I thought it was just the altitude, but I feel like new moons are often like a site of depletion and resetting. So that makes sense. Speaking of tarot, Lucy, I have a deck here. Can I pick some cards for you? I would love that. Is there anything in particular you want to know about? Maybe could we dig into the home life thing? Sure. Okay, so so a recent 
reader just pulled some sort of harsher cards for you mm-hmm. for the home sphere, Tower and the Ten of Swords. So I'm going to like just do a supplementary read on that and see if we can get some more cards in the home sphere, the ever important Torian home sphere, and see, get some more information, Um, not to, you know, contradict it, but just to augment it. So let's see. And I'm going to pick three cards. Very interesting. You got very different cards today. And so, you know, I want to think of them as sort of like, you know, additional information about that. So if if we're seeing... You know, if we had someone who's sort of predicting a tower energy, that is by its nature a little unexpected. So let's just say you're going to find yourself having some sort of experience around home that's unexpected and maybe a little challenging. Okay. And now you have the two of swords, which is peace. So I really love this. You know, I was imagining is like, you know, the the, the reading that you got in San Francisco being the first chapter and this being kind of like the, the second chapter. I like the peace card because I think the other card you got, another card you got for home was the 10 of swords. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of, you know, the 10 of swords that you've gotten, that you got that card, you know, it is a sort of like something has already happened. You know, it, it really, it's really hand in hand with the tower card in that way where it's like, it's happened, whatever it is, you know, um, and it had been building whether you re- recognize that or not in yourself or in the environment. So then following it up with this peace card, I really like it because it feels like, you know, there's a, there's a bit of serenity around whatever it is. So it's sort of taking the, a little bit of the drama out of the situation. You know, sometimes when I'm giving people readings and <laughs> they get a bunch of just like super apocalyptic cards and they're just like, what is going on? Like, I don't know. Things don't feel that crazy. I'm just sort of like, you know, the tarot, the language of the tarot is very extreme. Like there's not a lot of cards for like sort of a bad day or like, a, you know, a, a slightly destabilizing, destabilizing quandary. So sometimes you have to like bring it down a little bit, you know, I would say whatever the quandary is that you're going to be looking at in your house according to this this prior reading. It does look destabilizing, but it looks like you're able to get your head around it. You know, this is moon in Libra. And so it's all about like finding some balance that brings you peace. So, you know, thinking about is it going to be that like you are torn between having this life on the road and having a more stable, you know, home life that you stick around for a while this might be you making some sort of peace around it, which isn't to say that like you you get the balance totally right and you're like, I've solved this problem because truly this seems like something that plagues people in different ways throughout life. Like it's hard to get that balance between like work and not work because that's sort of what we're talking about also, right? Because what takes you on the road is your work. So it looks like you make some sort of peace with it and then your next card is the Prince of Wands. And now he is on stage. He is a performer. The Prince of Wands is Leo. He rules theater, music, creativity, fun, sex, play, you know, romance. Like, he is not a homebody. So if we're looking to see, like, you know, is this, is what is coming up for you? Like, it seems like you've landed a little bit on this sort of, you know, dichotomy of like which way to go. It looks like, you know, if there is a fist fight between your home and the tour bus, the tour bus is going to win. As you were like, have I broken my, uh, you know, my, this beautiful, you know, pact I had with my home by 
going back out on tour, like maybe, you know, mm-hmm. your final card is really interesting. And it's called completion. It's the four of wands. And um, it's Venus in Aries. And so my Venus is in Aries. Your Venus is in Aries. Yeah. Oh, that's great. No, thanks for sharing that. That's great information. Well, I mean, you know, Venus is it's it's how we relate to other people. It's also like what we find attractive. It's our aesthetics. It's how we love. And it's like, yeah, you want to be out there, moving, motion, forward motion, being daring. Like these are things that are really attractive to you, you know, and they are sort of, you know, being living a life on the road as a performer definitely falls under that kind of adventurous energy that Aries really adores. And, you know, completion means a few different things. It's like, it's interesting because it's not the end of the road, even though it is called completion in this deck. You know, the end would be the 10. And this is just the four. So this is saying you're, you're sort of still in the beginning of a cycle. And I'm going to call it your home cycle or your cycle around like home homework, home tour, kind of like a split. And the vibe I'm getting from this is like, You've, you were talking about feeling like, oh, home is nice. I do like being on the couch, you know? And so there's a feeling of like, all right, you did make some headway into a kind of, um, you know, making yourself a little Warren, <laughs> like your little rabbit Warren, like feeling those creature comforts. But it's it's maybe like not enough for you to really like get into it now. Like more will be revealed. Like you're on a bigger path. It's really interesting. It's like, it's also like the fours are about stability and I, I wonder again about like a feeling of stability that you get from traveling and from being on the road and that that actually is very grounding to you, that you're grounding into your work and into your creativity and into this like, you know, artist's life that you've created. And also it's like the fact that it's Venus, it's like if you end up like whatever you end up deciding about this split and I feel like... um it looks really strongly like you're going to be picking the road. You're doing it because it's bringing you joy and love. Like you love it. This is a love card, you know? So there's nothing to worry about. There's no sort of like, oh, but I should be at home or I really miss that stability. It's like, you know, you know, like you had more of a, like a Taurus home body experience for a moment. And it sounds like you really embraced it. And now the world is open back up again and it's time for you to go back out into the world. And it's just that simple, you know, and it actually, it actually does look kind of simple. I wonder with the tower card that you received in San Francisco, if there is going to be some sort of more decision that you're going to have to make, you know, mm-hmm around this, that that something's going to force it to be more of a, like, I'm committing to this versus committing to that. Yeah. If that's the case, you're definitely going to be committing to your tour bus. <laughs> I mean, I have, you know, we plan shows like so far out. And so I'm looking ahead at the calendar. I'm like, yep, well, I guess this is how it is. We're on tour with um, Barty Strange. I don't know if you've heard his record, but he's incredible. And this is his first like really long tour and it's giving me flashbacks to like when I started touring and all the unexpected changes, like Mm -hmm. realizing like, Oh, everyone is having life without me at home and in subtle and not so subtle ways. Like I'm changing and they're changing and the longer I'm away, the harder it is to bridge the gap. And like suddenly all my relationships were long distance. Like, yeah, I was just like taken off guard. I don't think he's, I think he's handling it more gracefully, gracefully than I did, but I don't know. All, all of what you're saying checks out and it kind of feels like I'm having a round two of that feeling since there was such a long break. 
Yeah, that makes so much sense. When I used to do these um, annual tours and they were so small, especially compared to how you guys travel, how like musicians can just really be on the road for so long. Just this one little month long tour, everybody would leave the tour and go home. I would bring these poets and writers uh, across the country. At the end of it, everyone's lives were in shambles. It was just insane how breakups happened, affairs happened, just like one week away. And it's like all you've ever known was the inside of that vehicle and these people. And the bond that you make with people that you're traveling with is so specific to that experience. And it's so tight. I really miss that. I miss like the, um, the, the wild jokes, how when you get punchy together, when you're like overtired and like the absurd sort of inside jokes that accumulate during a tour. Yeah. We like say the word swag all the time. That's like one of the pieces of evidence that our brains are mush. Just be like swag. (laughs) And it's so stupid. And I remember it's stupid when I tell other people about it, but it's just part of the vocabulary for us. Yeah, totally. That's how you know that like that you're having a hard time like re-entering society when you're just like trying to explain van jokes to the people at home and they're just like, what? you sound so dumb. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> that was the most brilliant like joke you will never understand. But we were excavating what it even means to be dumb. You know, that, that's what it feels like is we're dumb on a level that is actually exploratory. <laughs> Hi, I'm Vera Blossom, producer here at Your Magic, and today I'm going to give you some ideas for an altar to go. An altar is a space that a witch carves out for themselves in this world to cultivate magical energy, find groundedness, and spark joy. Sometimes you don't have the room or a safe enough environment to build one of these in your home. Or maybe you want to bring that little bit of magic space with you in the big scary outside world. If any of these are the case for you, try and build a pocket-sized altar. Something discreet, but nonetheless, unapologetically your own. Like many of the spells I write, the materials and ingredients are totally up to you. But here's what you'll need for the basic structure. A small case for your altar. Something like an Altoids tin or a small jewelry box will work. And something to represent each of the elements. Fire, water, earth, and air. Finally, a little something extra for that fifth element of spirit. To represent the element of fire, maybe add some literal fire in the form of a lighter or book of matches, especially useful if you want a little fire for your on-the-go rituals. You can also use something like a red jasper to represent inspiration and banish negative energies. Or you can keep an espresso bean in there if you want that olfactory hit of inspiration. Fire is the element of energy and action, so use anything that will help you go. Next is water, the element of emotions. You can use a vial of moon water that you charged under a full moon, or a stone like rose quartz to help with healing and protecting your emotional vibe. Since your altar to go is your safe space, some freshwater pearls can help create a gentle, protective, and peaceful energy. Air is the element of intellect, organization, and clarity. Your magic can help you make sense of the world while also helping you to understand yourself. 
If you need to take a bit of a step back and find some clarity, maybe it's helpful for you to keep a few mints in this Altoid altar so you can chew on one while you take a mindful pause. Otherwise, you can keep an iridescent opal in your altar to focus on while you grow your psychic ability or ponder the vastness of the universe. For the element of Earth, you can leave a quarter or a dollar coin in your altar as an investment in your material wealth, or keep a bit of salt to protect your magical safe space. You could even use a packet of iodized salt here for convenience. Maybe your focus is on finding strength in community and family, in which case you can keep a piece of twine tied into a knot to remind yourself of those bonds. Finally, your altar should have a bit of pizzazz and an injection of something that is deeply you. Maybe you decorate the interior of your tin with a bunch of cute stickers from the dollar store. You could keep a magazine cutout of an icon you aspire to and find inspiration in, like Dolly Parton or Cher. Maybe it's a folded up photo of your family and closest friends. It could even be something that just makes you happy, like a novelty ring or an especially cute resin cast 20-sided die. These are all just guidelines, as long as you've got something that calls upon the elements and a small case to put them in that fits in your bag or your coat pocket, you're good to go. And even though this is a pocket-sized altar, remember that it's still yours. Use this altar to ground yourself when you're feeling sad, overwhelmed, and bored. Open it up and take a whiff of anything olfactory you're keeping in, like mints or the coffee beans or the herbs and take that jolt of inspiration. Remind yourself of your power and find safety in it, wherever you are. Vera Blossom, thank you for that inspiring bit of witchcraft. Whether you want to tote a tiny altar through your days to boost your personal vibe or bring it on a trip to keep your practice close while you're outside your normal routine, I think we could all use a piece of portable magic. Plus, miniature things are cute. Whether you're deep in homebody mode enjoying your nest or out and about cooking up a new adventure, we hope your world feels rich and stuffed with surprise and that the possibilities of coziness and wildness feel inviting and endless. Thanks for tuning into Your Magic. You can support us, plus get access to a whole bunch of bonus content at patreon.com backslash thisisyourmagic. Every dollar makes our work possible. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at This Is Your Magic and subscribe to our newsletter at thisisyourmagic.com. You can rate us and subscribe right here on Spotify. Do what you need to do to never miss an episode. And you can email us at hello at thisisyourmagic.com. We would love to hear from you. This episode was produced and edited by Molly Elizalde, Tony Gannon, and Vera Blossom. We got production support from Angelica Chrysostomo. Our executive producers are Ben Cooley, myself, and Molly Elizalde. Our original theme music is by John Kimbrough. Thanks for listening.